Hi everyone, this is Joanne Beaudry Larocque. How is everyone? Uh, I hope uh, this podcast finds you well. It's uh, we're in the middle of winter here, uh, January twenty second, two thousand and twenty four. I live in Northern Ontario in in Greater Sudbury, <clears throat> which is just a, a small little town outside of the city of of Sudbury, Ontario, and uh, so. Continuing my series uh, in the middle of interviewing uh, people for my uh, podcast, I do want to read uh, the stories that I've written that were published. And so on an earlier episode, I read my story, Anaya, which uh, was written uh, many years ago and published twice in different publications. And I I uh, recorded that episode uh, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and then I recently recently uh, recorded an episode reading the story, Pappy's Dance, which was in honor of my grandparents, and I had written that in December 1998, which was 26 years ago. But then a year before that, I wrote the story, The Pencil Drawer, which was also published. I've been very fortunate that uh, pretty well every story that I've written has been published somewhere, <laughs> and but mostly in the High Grader magazine. The Pencil Drawer that I'm going to read to you today was written December 1997, which was 27 years ago already. And uh, it's a story about our initial first years of our blended family when our twin girls were young. They're going to be 33 now. And uh, when the the kids were at school, I had time to myself uh, amidst doing a whole pile of laundry or baking a whole pile of muffins or preparing ahead of time dinners for the four kids that were living at our house. We have a total of six kids altogether. We had uh, Mike's daughters live with us for a while, and then uh, and his son, of course, and then my son, and then we had the twin girls, Jessica and Chanel. So it was a very busy household, uh, lots of commotion and chaos at times with uh kids getting ready for school or for lessons. Uh, we always had our our kids in a variety of different lessons and sports, uh, and the boys did too, Robert and my son, Brent. Uh, so it was always a very busy household. But, boy, when you get older, you really miss those, those days. Uh, you're exhausted a lot of the time. And it just seems like the days just flow by. But when they were all at school, I tried to put aside time to either read my books that I had. I always had a pile of books to read or to write my stories. So, And sometimes I would take the time just to practice my piano playing. Uh, but what I really loved, besides all those other things, reading, writing, going for walks every day, um, and playing the piano was I love writing about my family, and I I figured someday 
you know, the kids would look back on my stories and enjoy hearing about themselves. And uh, so this is what I did. So the pencil drawer uh, was written, like I said, December 1997. And uh, boy, it might be difficult to read for myself because it's going to take me right back to those days of a busy household filled with kids, lots of love, laughter, and uh, a lot of pick up your clothes and put away your dishes, you know, etc. But anyway... Here goes this story, The Pencil Drawer by Joanne Baudry Laroc, December 1997. So here it is. It was almost Christmas. The daily routine continued, but with an extra busyness which bordered on mild hysteria. I was cooking a quick dinner spaghetti with canned tomato sauce. It was ballet lessons for the twins tonight and kickboxing lessons for my 16-year-old son. Brent was blasting rock music from his basement bedroom. With the vibrations of his music, I was sure plaster was going to fall from the ceiling. Jessica and Chanel were playing school with their dolls, with the usual chatter between two little girls. The Christmas cards were half-addressed and the Christmas tree looked like it was going to topple down as decorations were constantly rearranged by the kids or knocked down by the dogs walking by. Most of the Christmas gifts were purchased but not wrapped. It is so hectic at this time of year, with having six kids, one grandchild, large families on both sides of my husband and I, our budget was stretched to the penny. This is our second marriage, We met over seven years ago at the Catholic Center in a spiritual group called New Beginnings. I have a son, Brent Harvey, and Mike has three children from his previous marriage, Robert, Renee, and Danielle. Mike and I were married, and we had our twin girls, Jessica and Chanel. Blending two families together is difficult, but with love, prayers, hard work, and patience, sometimes we do the best we can. It is costly for birthdays and Christmas, but we managed to purchase just the right gift for our kids. Jessica and Chanel love books and dolls. Brent is thrilled with a computer game. Danielle loves craft supplies. Renee enjoys artist materials, and Robert likes accessories for his car. Mike gets the visa bill and a pair of socks. Thank God he has a good sense of humor. The Christmas baking wasn't started yet, and I was thinking of changing family tradition of baking and cooking for weeks, food that would be devoured in one day. I thought of purchasing the meat pies, sausage rolls, and a zillion varieties of, heaven forbid, store-bought Christmas cookies. Oh, well, it was a housewife's fantasy. Then the eruption, with high-pitched voices shrieking at each other. Mom! Chanel won't let me be the teacher. Mom, don't believe her. I'm letting Jessica be teacher, but it's still my turn. Girls, that's enough. I looked towards my two daughters. Tears were flowing as both girls wailed, storming into the kitchen. I wasn't sure whom to believe how long Chanel was the teacher or if Jessica had been the teacher. I was ready to put spaghetti in the pot. The table was half set. The twins were still disagreeing and glaring at each other as the phone started ringing. I noticed the number listed on the display. It was Brent's friend calling. 
My son has two cordless phones. If he doesn't hear them ringing because his music is too loud, his friends would call our number. My son's friends are very persistent. They let Brent's telephone ring six times before the fax machine activates. If no answer, hang up. Try our line four times before our answering machine starts. Back and forth. It drives me crazy. The twins make a dash to the phone, shoving each other to see who can answer it first. I have wonderful kids. <laughs> Brent, you're wanted on the phone, shout both girls. With his music sounding close to concert level, he doesn't hear them, so we, we resort to stomping on the kitchen floor. That's his message to signify a telephone call. I got it. Hang up the phone, Brent bellows out. Sometimes his six-year-old sisters eavesdrop on Brent's conversation, especially if he is talking with a girl. Jessica and Chanel try desperately not to giggle into the phone, but within minutes, they can't stop themselves. Brent runs up the stairs complaining. Bedland breaks out. Such is family life. The spaghetti is cooking, the dog's Muffy, a terry poo we purchased from the shelter, and Candy, a shih tzu terrier we received from an elderly couple, start barking like crazy. I knew my husband was home. Looking out the kitchen window, I could see he was chilled and exhausted from a hectic foreman schedule at the local rail yard. The wind had been blowing frosty winter air all day. I try to have the kids quiet when Mike comes home, which is generally quite a task, as we are a loud, vocal family. We like to sing, accompanying each other with various musical instruments, our own mini-concerts. I play my acoustic piano, which was built in the year 1900, or my Clavinova computerized piano. Mike sings and plays his acoustic or electric guitar. Using microphones, Jessica, Renee, and Danielle sing along. Chanel plays her electric guitar. Robert plays his acoustic guitar. And Corey, Danielle's son or grandchild, loves to play with buttons on the amplifier. Brent? is in the family room with us, but he is blasting at villains with a game on the computer instead. We usually get down with a, with a lot of 50s-style rock and roll. We sing loudly, laugh a lot, and have a lot of fun. As Mike opens the door, he hollers out, Hi, girls, which means the twins and two dogs. The girls want their hugs and kisses. The barking dogs with tails wagging want to scratch behind the ears. He takes off his coat and boots, breaks into a big smile as he beams at the little welcome home group. After settling his lunch pail on the cupboard, he says, Hi, Mom, as he gives me a kiss on the cheek. How are things? Oh, good, I replied with a half-smiling sigh. How is work? Oh, we worked hard. As usual, we looked at each other sympathetically, but with a grin. What's for supper? As Mike peered into the pots on the stove, his usual habit. Spaghetti, I answered. Oh, good, my favorite, nodded my husband. Well, Joanne, I'm going to take my shower now. I'll make it as it fast to get ready for supper as I am starved. Okay, hun, I replied. The house seemed quieter now. Table was set, pasta almost cooked. 
I was preparing the salad and toasting some garlic bread as Jessica came into the kitchen. Jessica is our quiet, sensitive child who loves leaving heart notes for her dad or me tucked in our night tables beside our bed. We used to call her a cute nickname when she was a baby. It was Sister Jessica of the Order of the Wet Diapers. Even as young as age two, she loved looking at pictures of Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and angels. At age six, Jessica loves going to church, memorized her prayers, grace before dinner, the Lord's Prayer, composes spiritual songs at home, singing her hymns, holding her pink teddy bear, and an old Christmas angel decoration. Chanel is my happy-go-lucky child who has religious pictures taped on her bedroom wall, but saying prayers is done at record speed. Going to church was no fun, as she felt the service was too long, but if she got to play with kids in the playroom and have a treat after Mass, it was okay. Chanel, though, is very proud of herself, as she can do the sign of the cross extremely well and proceeds to show me quite often, Look, Mum, see how good I am at this, she exclaims. She is the more outgoing of the twins, very sociable, yet if upset would go down, lie down to hug her toy doggy. Mom, it's almost Christmas and I want to make something for you and Dad, Jessica said earnestly, tugging on my sleeve. Oh, what would you like to make for us, I replied as I was dropping a pile of croutons in the salad. Well, Mom, it's a surprise, stated Jessica with big eyes. I want to get something, too, remarked Chanel as she picked up Muffy, giving her a hug into her fur. Jessica turned to look at her sister. Jess, let's buy something at the store. I got money. And off ran Chanel to her bedroom with the dog bouncing up and down in her arms. Within a flash, she was back in her ki- in the kitchen without the dog and turning upside down her pink bunny bank. Out poured a pile of pennies, nickels, and one quarter with some Canadian tire money stuck in the opening of the bank. I'll go and get my money too, exclaimed Jessica. Within seconds, she was back in the kitchen. Her bunny bank was shaken to spill out its contents of pill- pennies, nickels, and play money coins. Wow, they both said excitedly, looking at their loot. I was trying to walk over two piles of assorted change on the floor, sprawled out kids, earnestly counting all their money, the dog sniffing everything, hoping something which resembles people food also falls on the floor so they could hungrily snatch it up. We we know most of the time dog food to a dog can be pretty boring. As I was pouring milk into the kids' glasses, I commented, It was great that they were both saving their money. But Mom, let's go shopping now so we can buy something for Christmas, insisted Chanel, looking up with concern. The spaghetti was cooked. I was pouring the pasta into the colander to drain the water. I put the pasta back into the same pot to keep it warm. I plunked myself down on the floor, thinking how to use some Christian values to teach my daughters why Christmas doesn't mean having to buy presents for everyone. To me, it is commercial and costly enough. Christmas can be remembered to give and share your heart and time to family and to someone in need. 
to explain to six-year-olds their gifts would be as special, appreciated, and treasured if they could make or draw something for us instead. Jessica initially wanted to do this in the first place. Although I would stress to give us a gift wasn't necessary, I related these thoughts and stated Christmas is mostly to remember and celebrate the gift of baby Jesus. It's a time when we give to each other, even if it's just a smile, kindness, or respect, so we can all remember this special gift our Lord Jesus gave us all, everlasting life and his love. Ah, but Mom, I have all this money, frowned Chanel. Shanny, I know what we could make, and it would be a surprise, whispered Jessica towards Chanel's ear as they huddled together in secrecy. I got up off the floor, reminding the girls to pick up their money and put it away. At the same time, I reminded the girls to use the stuff in the pencil drawer to make their gifts. The pencil drawer gets open and shut as often as the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, remembered Jessica, who jumped up, opened the smallest drawer in the house, yanked out a handful of colored markers, recycled notepaper, and the stapler. Slam, as she shut the pencil drawer. Me, too, agreed Chanel. She pulled out pens, more paper, a glue stick, and masking tape. Slam, as she shut the pencil drawer. Don't slam the drawer so hard, I protested, but couldn't help smiling after them. Too late, they were gone, their minds busy leaving behind their money in the middle of the kitchen floor, along with their overturned pink bunny banks. Off they ran down the hallway into their own bedrooms, developing in their mind what wonderful Christmas gifts they were going to make for mom and dad, all from the most used and tiniest drawer in the house. I thought to myself, it will be a good Christmas after all, as I bowed my head, closed my eyes, and gave thanks. Joanne LaRock, December 1997, and this was dedicated with love to my nanny, my grandmother, Lynn Dupuy Millette. So that's the end of that first story I wrote in, like I said, December 1997. Thinking about our family at the time and the busy household we had uh, with the girls in a variety of lessons from ballet to uh, singing lessons to the boys in kickboxing lessons. There were also, our daughters were in soccer and our sons were in, they skied, and <laughs> it was a busy household. And so uh, with Christmases, uh, it was always, we drew up a list, my husband and I, we asked the kids to use the Sears catalog to circle whatever they wanted, and then put their initials C or J or B for Brent, Rob, R for, Rob, for uh, Robert, and uh, for Mike's daughters, Renee and Danielle, we knew what they loved for their interests, which was drawing and making crafts. So it uh, was always trying to figure out what gifts to give our kids. And then we had both sets of our parents, my parents, Richard and Sue Beaudry, Mike's parents, today's and Earl LaRock. And then for our daughters, our twin daughters, they were six at the time, their godparents. So we uh, 
we had quite a list. And then there was other special family members uh, that we always tried to find something for. My grandmother, who was still alive at the time. And uh, it was... Uh, it was quite busy and hectic and and so on and but we managed to always uh have a nice christmas and then it was uh christmas morning waking up opening gifts with the kids and then going off to mike's parents and then going to my parents for the big dinner at in the evening so it was uh, hectic but that kind of shows you our our life with the with our blended family and uh, years uh, later, our daughters uh, both got into the entertainment business. Uh, but it was in um, 1994, our daughters were three years old. And there was a contest with the Quaker Life Brand cereal box. They were looking for uh, why you thought your kids were your life kids. And then if chosen, uh, your kids' pictures would go on the Quaker Life brand cereal box. So when I was pregnant with my son, Brent, I was 24 at the time. I had thyroid cancer. And the decision was to carry on with my pregnancy or the doctors thought, no, you should uh, not carry on with this pregnancy and have the uh, surgery to remove the cancerous tumor and also the thyroid gland. But I, I chose uh, to carry on with my pregnancy because I felt I was going to be okay. So, um, and I had the radiation treatments after my son was born. So I always thought my son Brent Harvey was my life child. So I, I entered the contest and I submitted... Um, the cutest picture of Brent when he was young. But I said, you know, since then I remarried. I had twin daughters at 35 years old, and they were Jessica and Chanel. And uh, I submitted their picture as well, the twins' picture together, which was uh, taken uh, when we were at Sears. We always did Sears portrait shots. And they ended up choosing our twins um, to have their picture on the back cover along with uh, five other children uh, as uh, the life children. <laughs> and so our twins, Jessica and Chanel, in 1994, uh, were on, uh, the, on the, uh, the cereal box, which there were thousands and thousands of cereal boxes all across Canada with our twins on the back of the, the box. So that was a good keepsake. We actually still have copies of that cereal box. And then they were interviewed by the Sudbury Star newspaper. And uh, at that time, it was called the Northern Life newspaper. And uh, the interviewer, uh, the reporter from the Northern Life newspaper said, who are the, who are the life kids? And uh, our twin daughters, they were three at the time, said that it was them. <laughs> so they were among 24 children picked, and uh, they were on the back cover of the Life cereal box. And then from there, our girls entered into different contests. Um, so, you know, they were quite, they were quite busy kids, and, and uh 
and Chanel being very outgoing, uh, she loved to sing. Of course, they saw both my husband and I singing and my husband playing guitar. So uh, Chanel would be singing away on my step-up block and Jessica would be composing songs about rainbows and God and unicorns and all this kind of stuff. And so I entered them into um, a national talent and model search in Toronto and uh, gosh, that was, uh, what year was that? In the year 2000. And they both placed well for the, uh, Jessica was the winner actually for the singing and Chanel runner up. And they also placed well for the acting, for the drama and uh, the other competitions they were in, the modeling part. And they were really young. So uh, yeah, they were, uh, they were eight years old at the time, and then they were picked up by the modeling agency, Caroline's Model and Talent Agency, and oh, they were also picked up by the Ford Modeling Agency as well. And then there was uh, Suzelle's from New York. She was interested in them, but she gave us very good advice. She said for our daughters to keep them in, to put them into a community theater, which we thought was a great idea. We never thought about that. And there was a community theater in Sudbury. And uh, Suzanne, I believe her name was, from the modeling agency from New York City, Suzelle's, suggested community theater because she said it would really help them with their acting and and uh, it would really help for, uh, for any auditions that they would uh, get into. So... They ended up doing their first theatrical production in their eighth and ninth year. And it was Evita, uh, which they loved. And so there was a large cast, I believe it was almost 50 people uh, in that cast. And the twins, along with their other friend, Samantha, were the youngest kids. And we noticed a big change in their personality where they were fairly confident before, um, but Jessica more shy. But then when they got into theater, next minute they're singing in front of 500 people every night and acting in front of 500 people at night. And this is with uh, Theater Cambrian at the time. And uh, so they they did, they did other plays as well. Joseph, uh, uh, The Wizard of Oz, and they did Pinocchio at the Sudbury Theatre Centre, which is a professional theatre in Sudbury at Thornlow University, even though they were kids and they were uh, going off to soccer, playing soccer at night, then they we'd drive them over to Thornlow University, which is part of Laurentian University in Sudbury. They did the Merry Wives of Windsor, so that was their first uh, introduction to anything by Shakespeare. And then... Uh, Chanel, she did her first commercial with Procter & Gamble, uh, which is the Bounce Fabric Softener commercial. And uh, there was one commercial she missed out on, which was the Ford vehicle um, commercial with Wayne Gretzky. I had just had gallbladder surgery the day before, so I wasn't able to bring her down for to Toronto for that, unfortunately, and she missed out on a, a big opportunity to meet uh, Wayne Gretzky. But then they did other um, they did other television and film uh, shows that uh, Chanel talked about earlier, uh, and then uh, from there uh, 
Jessica pursued more her writing and she became, uh, she studied at Georgian College in Barrie to become a personal support worker. And now she is studying to uh, get her BA in Indigenous Social Work. Our kids are Metis, uh, so they really enjoy that aspect of that part of their heritage from my husband's side. And then our daughter, Chanel, uh, works for the uh, health unit here in Sudbury, and she's also uh, wanting to pursue further education as well uh, and possibly go for her master's, which would be great. Uh, So another area that we explored, again, was the recording of our original songs. And going back to a year after I wrote The Pencil Drawer, uh, Mike and I wrote a song because it was uh, the twins then were only seven years old and it was something with one of the girls they were upset about something and they were crying and so Mike he always liked to compose songs on a whim and and he was kind of like trying to make light of whatever they were upset about uh, which was just, you know, who's got someone's toy or, or whatever. So he started to write and compose this song, Alligator Tears, and then together we rewrote it and uh, edited it. And then with our, our family, we recorded the song, and then that is now, um, that song, we recorded it initially at one studio, and then we copied that recording over to uh, a CD that Mike included on his uh, second country uh, CD called La Rock Country. <clears throat> he has La Rock Country 1 and La Rock Country 2. And on La Rock Country 2, it's all, all of our original songs that we had written and composed and Mike had uh, come, come up with the music. But with Alligator Tears, why I'm bringing that up is that's the, the one song that our twins sang with us, and they were only seven years old. And then they each did their own CD years later. Chanel is just called Chanel, and Jessica's CD is called Jessica. And they did uh, they recorded some cover songs that they they did. So they, they kind of got into the uh, music business a little bit. And then on uh, recently, last year in 2022, uh, Chanel and her partner Brendan recorded Hippie Land and Welcome to the Dark Side, which is kind of really cool, kind of groovy stuff. I I swear these Chanel and her partner are hippies from the (laughs) past life, from their 60s or whatever. But anyway, their songs are on Spotify just the same as our songs um, that we had uh, written, Alligator Tears, and then, of course, other ones that uh, we had written and recorded, uh, Pretty Pictures and so on. They're all on on Spotify. But Alligator Tears, uh, I'm going to read that to you to finally wrap up this episode of a little bit of our our girls and um, our life with our youngest two and to kind of go along with the story, the pencil drawer. So Alligator Tears, written by Mike LaRock and Joanne Baudry LaRock, copyrighted October 16th, 1998. 
and it goes, um, it starts off with, oh, those little alligator tears are coming down from your eyes and not your ears. Well, it's not a funny joke when your face gets wet and soaked. When you're crying, little alligator tears. The first verse is, all your friends are out and having fun, and you're stuck inside and having none. It's a dirty, rotten shame when you can't be out to play your games because you're crying little alligator tears. Then you sing the chorus. Second verse is, Oh, whatever made you so sad, look at all the fun you had. Put a big smile on your face. The world will be a better place when you're crying little alligator tears. Then you sing the chorus again. (laughs) And the third verse is, So whenever you're so sad and blue, just remember that we love you. And the sun will come up tomorrow and dry away all your tears. Oh, those little alligator tears are coming down from your eyes and not your ears. Well, it's not a funny joke when your face gets wet and soaked, when you're crying, little alligator tears. When you're crying, little alligator tears. And the vocals on the recording is my husband, Mike LaRocque. Background vocals was myself, Joanne Beaudry LaRocque, and our children. They were only seven years old, and they recorded their first recording, their first song with us, Jessica LaRocque and Chanel LaRocque. Guitar was Mike LaRocque. Bass and electric guitar and drums was Lyle Eisenhower. Dobro, Stan Eisenhower, formerly of Stan in the Valley Boys, and it was produced by Lyle and Laurie Eisenhower, recorded at Promise Seed Productions, Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, November 17, 1998. But we wrote it and copyrighted it in October 16, 1998, when our twins were only seven years old. So... We have a pile of good memories uh, with our blended family. And blended families are really tricky to keep together um, and have everyone continue to love each other and be supportive of each other. So uh, our son Rob lives in in Brampton. Brent lives in Ottawa area. Uh, Jessica, south of North Bay. Chanel, Sudbury, uh, Renee, and uh, Danielle in the Blizzard Valley area. So we're all, and Mike and I are in Greater Sudbury, Valcairn, Ontario. So we're all kind of all over the place. And uh, and at Christmases, sometimes we're all here, sometimes, uh, and some of us can't make it, some of us aren't here for whatever reason. It's... it's uh, just what you try to do as a family. I grew up with uh, five younger siblings, and I don't believe there was one Christmas after we all got up and married and moved away that we were all together until my father passed away, and then we were all together. Uh, There was, I believe, on my parents' 45th wedding anniversary, that might have been a time when all of us were together, 
but it, it was so rare. Uh, and the same with Mike's family. There's eight children, eight adult children. One passed away, and the other ones are, again, all over the place. So it's it's hard, uh, very difficult for everyone to get together. And then everyone has their own families and their own grandchildren and so on and so forth. And uh, so with our blended family, we try our best to... Um, have people over and depends on where we are living at the time. We've lived in Sudbury, we lived in Barrie, briefly at Toronto for about a month while we were moving back to Sudbury. And so it's it's difficult for everyone to get together. But our kids know that their siblings, they all love each other. That's one thing. There's no... Um, there's no uh, hard feelings or bad feelings like and Robert my stepson my son uh, he's really great at reaching out when it's Christmas or New Year's or things like that where he'll be the first to send a text and then everyone chimes in so we're all getting messages on our cell phone and uh, and then when Jessica comes to visit with her three boys, Chanel will make sure she comes over with her partner and her son. And if Brent comes up from Ottawa with his two boys, then Chanel will try to be here or Jessica. And we try our best to get together. When Robert comes up from Branton with his wife and two daughters, our our granddaughters, um, we we all try to get together. And Mike and I try to prepare a big meal or we do a potluck meal. And so it's uh, we try our best to make our blended family work. And uh, Mike and I have been together now going on 34 years. So uh, it's, you know, we can say it's been pretty successful. There's been some blips along the way, and there's still some things that have to be resolved with certain things. But, you know, it was uh, it, it's the best that we uh, can do, and our kids try our best. And... When my mother passed away in September, my stepson, uh, Robert, came up and to honor his step-grandmother, my mother, and he performed at the memorial mass uh, for her, an original song that he wrote and he sang. And then, uh, of course, uh, uh, our other kids were there. Chanel read a eulogy. So, you know, it's nice uh, when our kids can get together on these special things. So, but anyway, I just wanted to make sure I read uh, the pencil drawer to you and, and it gives you an idea of our busy lives. Uh, and then it did, I don't, I didn't mention the times that when we would go to my parents' place or Mike's parents' place, a lot of the times I was asked to make, uh, bring baked beans, and then for my mom, it was like uh, for me to bring a salad or something or buns and butter. So it was a, um, a large family on both sides, and we had a large family, so it was a lot of uh, everybody pitched in, and if it was a meal uh, at someone's house, you never went empty-handed. You always showed up with something in your hands, and when you're invited to someone's place, even if it's your parents, you always showed up with something, and we made sure to teach our kids that to not never walk into a person's home if you're invited for a lunch or dinner empty-handed to always bring something either bread butter candy mints uh, dessert salad 
or a bottle of wine or a six-pack of beer or whatever. You just always walked in with a gift for them, a box of chocolates or something. And it just shows uh, gratefulness and appreciativeness towards even your parents. Um, and even when our kids come here, they always seem to, they always bring something. Uh, Robin makes desserts, Robert's wife, uh, Brennan, Chanel's partner, he makes the best uh, dips and salmon dips. And, <laughs> and um, they, Jessica, too, will come with a, a pile of uh, foods. And so it's nice. Uh, Danielle will bring salads. So it's, it's really nice when our, our blended family, when we get together and, and uh, have a meal together, and kids are all running all over the place. And then someone breaks out the guitar and starts singing. And now we have a drum set downstairs. So there's guitars, drums. Mike also has a banjo and the two pianos. So it, it it's a very noisy household. But I would not want it any other way. And I'm grateful that um, when I did remarry and have the twins that my son has also his sisters and a brother. And so I'm always grateful for for that because I, I didn't want my son to be an only child. And he isn't. He's got all these other siblings. So And it's great because they all see each other, which is wonderful. So I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for, for my whole family. So I hope you enjoyed my story, The Pencil Drawer, and I hope you enjoyed the song, Alligator Tears, which you can find on Spotify or wherever you listen to your music, iHeart or radio or wherever. And I'll close this one for now, and then uh, on the other episodes, I'll read some of my other stories. So have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you wish to sponsor me, I I have the link uh, on uh, my podcast. Uh, You can reach out to me that way, or uh, there's also a new program I signed up for if you want to buy me a coffee. I don't really understand that, but I guess you can make a donation. (laughs) Uh, If you're a corporate um, company or business and you wish to sponsor me then just reach out please Uh, you can find me on facebook joanne larock and uh and i'm on instagram and on x which is twitter and so i'm sure you'll be able to find me somewhere (laughs) so take care all the best and thank you for being my audience bye